You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and this episode is brilliant. Literally, it's about being brilliant. It's about you being brilliant. And my guest, Janine Garner, is a repeat offender. Way back in episode 55, we chatted about creating a network that works for you. And in this one, Janine gives us some wonderful insight into what it takes to lead a life of brilliance. It's a practical guide on how to lead a successful, fulfilling life. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Janine Garner. Janine Garner, welcome back to the Team Guru Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's fabulous to be back. You're a second time guest. We spoke way back in episode 55, all about creating a network that works for you. You know, we are well over episode 120 now, Janine. So we've both moved on a lot. You have written a second book. It's actually the third book. Is it? It's the third one. Yes. Did you miss me in between or was your book about a network your, your second book? That was my second book. So before that, I wrote a book around what is called From Me to We. And essentially, it was about how do we get teams collaborating together, working better together. And then the book that we talked about was actually, as individuals, how do we ensure we've got the right people around us to help us work more effectively together? And that led me to start doing some research into the missing piece of the puzzle, which has become book number three. You know, our chat was a long time ago, well over 60 episodes for me, but I still remember it really well. I remember the number, the different people that you suggested we surround ourselves in life. It was actually one of those episodes that stayed with me for a long time. So for listeners, if you like what you hear with Janine in this episode, go back to episode number 55, because that was a really great discussion. All right, now let's get into this one. Your book is called, very simply, Be Brilliant. Now, that is a bold title, Janine. What on earth makes you think you can write about being brilliant? <laughs> That's a great question. Where I've this stumped book, you. Are you. Nah, I yeah, haven't because I was going to say, well, surely I can. <laughs> Where this book actually came from was really, it was on the back of the first two books. You know, I wrote From Me to We when I first left my corporate job. I've been out of a fish, I call it. I've been unemployed, i.e. not working corporately for about 10 years now. And prior, my last proper job was group marketing director at Oriton Group. And, and the first book really was as a result of a lot of corporate experience around how do we actually work better together as teams. What I then realized as I set out on my own entrepreneurial venture, I, I started a startup. I pretty much bootstrapped it from the get-go is I realize that actually it's, it's the people around us that will absolutely guarantee our success and help us navigate the highs and lows of personal and professional life. And that's where the second book, It's Who You Know, came from and the IP that I created around the 12 key people. And that's still going gangbusters. I mean, it's, it's still selling by the hundreds, if not thousands. And, um, you know, it's, it's phenomenal, the impact that that's having around the world. But what I've realized through teaching and speaking about that to thousands of people around the world is there's a fundamental missing piece. And this missing piece is ourselves. 
So it doesn't matter how much we talk about networking or collaboration. The reality is if if we are beating ourselves up about our own imperfections and making excuses for what we don't have, if we are continually wishing for things that we don't have and, and worrying about our own insecurities, then how can we possibly connect and collaborate as true, truly authentic human beings? And so book number three started, this idea started germinating as I was doing, presenting it to you know, and all the work around that, where I realized that as individuals, you know, our success actually does start and end with us. And until we can lead ourselves, until we can become the best version of ourselves, the most brilliant version of ourselves, which is in every single one of us, then we can't possibly connect with other people in the right way because we're always hiding a part of ourselves. And we cannot possibly collaborate in the right way because we are constantly hiding some smarts or some information and we're worrying about our own expertise and how we're coming across. So that's where the idea came. And my view, David, very much is in this world we are living in right now, it's actually really exhausting being human. Um, (laughs) It's exhausting trying to keep up with the speed of change. It's exhausting trying to keep up with not just what's going on right now in the today, you know, with COVID and everything, but it's exhausting keeping up with the change of business, the change of process, technological change. It's exhausting keeping up with our friends and our families and social media and contacts. It's exhausting trying to prove that we're good enough and striving for more. It's exhausting, you know, trying to play that bigger game that everyone's told us we need to play. And quite frankly, it's just exhausting being human. And all I've seen for the last 10 years is we are trying to fix this by externally trying to teach ourselves new skills and get the seven steps to, and we still don't feel good enough. We're trying to fix it by getting external visions of success, whether it be the next house, the car, the holiday or whatever, and we're still not happy. We're, we're trying to, we bring in people to train our teams and train, get our organizational culture sorted out, and we're still worried about a lack of engagement, a lack of productivity. And so, For me, there's a combination of internal stuff that needs to be sorted out, that the only way that we can actually be brilliant is to get rid of our own comparisonitis, disillusionment, imposter syndrome, and realize that you have every single facet in you to bring the best of yourself to what you do. On the external, you know, the reality was business was simple, but it's now more competitive than ever. Clients used to be pretty easygoing. And now they're more demanding than ever. Your communication was straightforward and now it's incredibly complicated and overwhelming and our resources were limitless and now more than ever they're stretched. And on top of that, employment used to be secure and now it's uncertain. So we've got this massive imbalance going on within us trying to strive and prove. And externally, we've got all this stuff going on that it is actually making the world really challenging right now. And so all I see is people exhausted They're exhausted with being busy, they're exhausted with choice, and they're exhausted with being stretched in multiple directions. And the reason I wrote this book, I went, enough. We are never going to change ourselves, our teams, our organizations until we can actually sort out the one thing that we have absolute control over, and that is us. And so that essentially is the essence of the book of how do we become our more brilliant version of ourselves? Because only when we can do that. Only when we can accept our imperfections and rise above them, 
Only when we can stop beating ourselves up about our limitations and quit making excuses, only then can we actually do that for other people too. So it starts and ends with us. We have to lead ourselves before we can connect in with other people and lead other people. Oh my goodness. The next question I have changed about 10 times through that period there where you spoke for ages so beautifully about why you wrote this book. That's a beautiful story. And I love the way your books link with each other. It's a really nice sequence of things, a really nice sequence of ideas and priorities. One of the things you mentioned there, that cliche, be the best version of yourself, it's almost become a bit of a, a negative joke cliche, which is sad because it started as a really powerful group of words. And then through overuse, it goes to the other side, like so many other phrases do. But I still think it has an enormous value. When you describe everything there that is going on in our world, all of the external factors and the changes that can seem so overwhelming, there's something really reassuring about the fact that amongst it all, the one thing that I know I can take care of and continue to work on and be sure that my efforts are going somewhere that count is on myself, my ability to work on myself. No matter what is going on all around me in the world, if I keep working on myself and I have a really intelligent, organized way of doing that, then I know for sure I'm still making progress. Absolutely. I mean, I, I often say that leadership of ourselves and of other people is actually a practice. You cannot learn the seven steps to this. You cannot go and do a course for a year, two years, three years, and suddenly come out being the best leader. I mean, those of us that have worked corporately know full well that that just doesn't exist. But this ability to actually know that this is a practice, it's like, you know, much like meditation is a practice, it's the continuous try something, reflect, amend, move forward. You might get something right for one year and then suddenly something else happens and you've got to go back again. It's a continuous evolution of understanding how do you become a better version of yourself. This journey never stops, but too many, I mean, what I see is too many of us become complacent in our ability and therefore we get a little bit lazy and we sit in status quo and we're just taking the paycheck, but we know that something doesn't feel quite right, but we're not really listening to it. Or we can become great at what we do. Like Jim Collins says, you're great, you're good, you're good at what you do. I call it excellent. You're good at your job, you're getting the results, you got the promotion. But at some point, something kicks in where you start questioning, is this enough? Is this what I want to do? Is this really where I want to go? And my work right now is all about how do we take people from being complacent and excellent to being brilliant? How do we unlock this absolute capacity that is in you to be better, to operate better, to live a better life, to lead better, to have fun with your teams, to network better. Because if we don't do that, David, we're just part of us is always faking it till we make it. And there is no way you can connect effectively and properly with other people if you're always hiding something for, of yourself. There is no way you can lead your team and other people if you are always hiding something from yourself. And there is no way you can evolve and grow your organization and take it and leave it in a place that it can continue to grow if you are always hiding something about yourself. So, you know, it's quite interesting that this book is coming out in this current period of time where, you know, we are, we all of us are questioning what this is about. And there's something 
there's a lot of reflecting going on, isn't there? There is a lot of reflecting. And I think part of being brilliant, part of leading yourself, part of being the best version is we have to slow down. We have to take the time to reflect, to get curious about what we can do differently. This isn't about, I talk um, a bit about there is, we blame, we're constantly blaming. There's a blame triangle operating in the world right now. Many of us are in this triangle of blame. We are either deflecting our own success onto someone else. It's someone else's fault. It's my leader's fault they're not supporting me. It's my team's fault. It's Flossy Two Shoes' fault. It's somebody else's fault as to why we're not progressing. Or we are, we're distractors. It's something else's fault. It's the environment. It's COVID. It's the lack of sales. It's the supply chain. It's the fact I don't have enough team. I don't have enough leads. I don't have enough budget. And it's at worst, the top of the triangle for me is we become defeatist. It's all my responsibility. I don't feel good enough. I haven't got enough belief in myself. I'm not as good as. And those three things are stopping us in our tracks of becoming brilliant. Do you want team and leadership development programs that actually work? Contact Team Guru today so we can start the conversation. I really like all of this. It's fantastic. And what we're going to do is we're going to extract from you, Janine, your four laws of brilliance in just a minute. But I want to talk before we get there about the opposite of that. You know, people have heard me talk many times on this podcast. And in my hundredth episode, I was actually the guest on my own podcast, Janine, and I got someone else to interview me and I really enjoyed it. And one of the things that I kind of landed on as I was talking through everything I've learned out of the podcast is that I think it's reinforced in me what was innate anyway, and that mm-hmm. was to live a very deliberate life. I, mm-hmm. I, I do things deliberately. I, I think very clearly about what's going on in my world. I don't get everything right, of course, far from it, but I'm very deliberate in, in what is important to me and pursuing those things and the relationships I have and how I spend my time, all that kind of stuff. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that as we move through life, whether it's in our work, as social circles, wherever it might be, I feel as though when I take that mindset with me, I feel as though other people with that mindset, we kind of connect with each other and we recognize each other in a crowd. We recognize mm-hmm. each other at work and we, we kind of have this understanding. And then all around us, the opposite of true of other people, you know, people are on a spectrum, of course. But it's those who are at the other end of the spectrum that I think I'm at that I kind of recognize. And and people on this podcast have heard me say before, I feel really sad for them, people who are directionless in life. They're in that, as you talked about, that beautiful blame triangle, the deflecting, distracting, and the defeatist. They fit into one or all of those categories. They're living a life that is not only is it not their best self, it borders on just existing and mm-hmm. getting by, and there's there, there seems to be so little joy in that. I don't mock those people. I feel terrible for them. I, I feel sad for them. It, it makes me want to do something for them and help them, which I guess is part of what this podcast is about. When you hear me talk about that, and first of all, am I speaking absolute rubbish? Oh, and mm-hmm. secondly, what do you notice in those people who are at that other end of the spectrum to what you're trying to sell? So, no, you're not talking rubbish. I'm an absolute believer in exactly the same thing. 
And I don't know if you've read Stephen Pressfield's book, Turning Pro, but no. in that book, he taught, oh, you'd, you'd love it because in that book, he talks about how you move from amateur to being pro. And being pro comes with choice. And part of the choice often is you leave people behind. You have to make tough decisions as to the stuff you are going to do and the stuff you're not going to do. And the same is with this work in this book is, is it's a choice as to whether you want to become better or not. It's a choice as to whether you want to continually improve or stay the same. And I've been very deliberate and intentional too about surrounding myself with people that are very much about a constant growth and a constant learning mindset. It's never about stopping for me. It's constantly growing and testing and trying and evolving. And that's essentially my journey is what I share in the book. So I've shared a lot of my personal journey from the moment I left home at 18 in Yorkshire. I was a Yorkshire girl originally and how I left home at 18 and just gradually worked my way further and further south to now being in Sydney. <laughs> Quite far south. Uh, but, but the, you know, the highs and lows, the the raising children, the burnouts, the corporate bullying and how throughout all of this, this constant lack of self-belief and not feeling good enough and how I unconsciously surrounded myself with people to move myself forward. So I think you're right. People are on a spectrum. When I think about, I'm, I'm with you, David. I also, I feel quite sad when I see people that have essentially given up. I get really sad when, like many people that will be listening to this podcast, there are people around us that are hanging on to life that are very sad and unhappy about what they're going through, that have a hunger to stay here. And then on the flip side, I see people that are almost given up. And I, I can't understand how the universe does those two things. But maybe maybe part of the gift in life is that we get the chance to shine a mirror on ourselves and see what's going on up in other parts of the world and in other parts of society. And therefore, again, we use our choice to move forward. My work, I've done a lot of philanthropic work and I've worked in many areas in New South Wales, particularly that have been forgotten by government and forgotten by society. And what I will say is every single time I've stepped out to do that work, there are always snippets of brilliance. I can still remember this beautiful 16-year-old that I met. This I was working out at Warwick Farm. I'd set up a non-for-profit called First Seeds Fund, which essentially was a gift-giving circle. And I'd heard this story about this community, Warwick Farm. It's about 45 minutes out of Sydney. This place had been forgotten literally three generations of unemployment. The only jobs were prostitution or selling drugs. And the reason I'd heard about it is because it hit the news. They'd uncovered a child prostitution ring that was being run by a 19-year-old and 21-year-old girl. And I started looking into this community. Going, How does this happen in our society? And, you know, we're not going to go into it, but essentially forgotten, loads of unemployment, very, very poor, not much money there. So I decided I was going to do something about it. And I um, set up a um, working with the local community center, this event where essentially girls would come into the community center and we would teach them stuff like, okay, let's have a business idea. Now, what do we call that? And trying to give them the basics of P&L and we set them off to make some products and they ultimately ended up making products, selling at the local market, making profit. And I can still remember this, this one girl who she sort of clung to me throughout the whole program that I was running. And I heard 
through the community leader that she was being abused by her brothers and fathers. And, you know, she just loved the fact that she was amongst women that cared. And as part of the feedback, her feedback said, one day I want to become like, and we had, we were the LBD group. I want to become like the LBD group. Subsequently, this girl finished school. Now, nobody had finished school. A lot of girls had dropped out at 14. This girl finished school. This girl went on to study social care. This girl came back to her community and is now doing incredible things. I've just got goosebumps thinking about her in terms of giving back to her community. And so there are always pockets of brilliance. There are always pockets of brilliance. Our job is to find those and to unlock those. And there's a whole chapter in the book where I talk about how do you find the talent and magnify the impact that you can have on other people? Because that to me is how you leave a legacy, how you leave an impact, how you help other people around you become their brilliant selves. It's a beautiful story, Janine. That must give you great fulfillment to do that kind of work. It does. It does. And that's, you know, that's what we all we all should be able to do. But you can do it around you. You know, your kids, I often say to people when I speak, everyone is watching you. Your children, other people's children, the taxi driver, the barista, the person that you're checking at the hotel with, every single person is watching us right now and taking their cues. And I think as a, I'm turned 50 next year and as a generation, we're working, we have a big challenge because we are up against a very old school command and control you know, 50-odd-year-old white Caucasian male of leading, which many as a woman we've had to fight against. So we're up against that. And at the same time, we are having to inspire and magnify this young generation of leaders coming through. And so that's the other reason I had to write this book, because if we can't be our brilliant selves in the job that we are doing every single day, how are we going to change anything? How are we going to help unlock the brilliance, the genius in the people around us and allow them to shine and stand in their spotlights because that's what we need to change the world. All right, let's do it. Let's go through your four laws of brilliance. Actually, before we do that, you mentioned something ages ago. You were talking about play a bigger game. Have you? Do you know Rowdy McLean? I do know Rowdy McLean, yes. Yeah, so Rowdy was on my podcast towards the end of 2019. I reckon one, probably if not the favourite, one of my favourite episodes from the whole year. He is fabulous. And yeah. this conversation in in tone really reminds me of speaking with Rowdy. That was a great conversation. What what number was it? Yeah, number 114. Rowdy McLean. Loved it. Anyway, let's go to your four laws of brilliance. Janine, talk us through it. Okay. So essentially these laws are based around how do you build your inner confidence so that outwardly you can become more confident. And secondly, how do you start leading yourself so that you can then ultimately lead other people? So that's the basis of these laws because what I see is so many of us, as I said before, we're exhausted with being exhausted. We're struggling with our place in the world. We might be questioning what's next. And all of it is underpinned by crazy amounts of imposter syndrome, lack of self-belief, et cetera. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your career. You know, I interviewed a whole stack of leaders from around the world for this book, and everybody is consistently struggling with the same things. So the first law for me is you've got to, law one is called, is all about being you and owning your spotlight. 
And essentially, I believe that owning your individual spotlight is key to success today and also to success in tomorrow. Where it falls down is we think we're standing in our own spotlight, but we're not because the self-doubt kicks in. What do you mean by your own spotlight? Your own spotlight. So owning your, what it is that you stand for, like what is it that you want to do? What is your area of expertise? What is your focus right now? Owning your character, owning the bright, shiny stuff, the jiggly bits, the stuff that you love, the stuff that you'd rather hide, and just bringing everything about you to the table. We cannot hide anymore. There is no longer anything awesome about faking it till you make it. You know, technology itself, we're seeing it right now where we are on screen, we are at homes, we are working. There are so many facets to us. And for so long, we have been trying to smooth off those facets to try and fit in and to try and conform. Mm. And what I want people to do is to realize that much like a diamond, if we can actually polish up every single facet of ourselves, if we can own the good, the bad, and the ugly, if we can be brave enough to share our goals and our dreams and the stuff that scares us, then we will actually shine more brightly than hiding the pieces of ourselves that, that we think people don't want to hear. And only in that way can we become visible. And as you can appreciate, this is it sounds easy, but it's hard because for so long we've had our individuality beaten out of us. You know, as much as we think we're being independently ourselves or standing in our spotlight, there's conformities everywhere. You know, we've got thousands of voices in our heads telling us how we need to behave, how we need to lead. You've studied accountancy, therefore you must become an accountant. We've got social voices and family voices telling us what it means to be a mother, a wife, a sister, a brother, a husband, and let alone the cultural and ancestral voices that are feeding our decision-making and how we operate. So for me, this is why it's one of the, it's almost the starting point, but it's also one of the hardest things because for so long, we many of us are hiding bits of our personality. But if we can unlock our own character, the more that we share of ourselves, of our flaws, and the more that we can therefore touch the hearts and minds of others, the more impact that we can have. It's something very impressive when you come across people, and we have them, we all have them in our lives, people who are aware of themselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they're very okay with it. There's something really nice about that, authentic and, and impressive in my eyes. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's like you feel it. They have this incredible aura when they walk into a room, which we probably put down to confidence. But I go, it's actually more just a, a knowing. It's more, this is me. Mm. It's, this is me. And people who, who are able to just be who they are, where you can see them on the side of a rugby field, standing on a stage, leading a room, and they're exactly the same. That's where, as individuals, you're in flow. You're no longer striving for more. You're no longer proving yourself. You're just like, this is me. Bring it on, whatever's next. I had, um, I interviewed a guy called Ray Pittman. He's now based in the US, but he was the president and CEO of CBRE here in Australia. And he was telling me the story about him at the start of his career and what you know, he learned about himself. And the one thing he said was, I get, I've learned to accept who I am and to be pretty gentle and forgiving with myself. And he shared that, you know, particularly in his early 20s and 30s, when he was starting to step up that career ladder, 
He was always critical about who he was, that he wasn't good enough, that he should be doing more, that he should be leading in this way, that he should know these answers, that it was all shoulda, coulda, woulda. And as he said, you know, as, as, as he's got older, he's realized that he's got strengths that add value and equally he's got weaknesses that are not going to change. But if he can accept himself and focus on what is good enough, then that acceptance and what is good enough allows him to do the best job that he can do. And I think that's the key. It's we can spend so long trying to fix ourselves if we're not careful that we're not allowing ourselves to stand in our spotlight and shine and bring what it is to each other that we want to bring. Right. Well, that's, that's a beautiful one. Let's start with that. That's number one, discover and own your own spotlight. What is number two, Janine? Okay. So you can own your own spotlight. You can have worked out your plan and your goals and your dreams. Like how many of us at the beginning of the year do our business plan for the year or our personal plan? But more often than not, we get through the year and our energy declines. And this is what I am seeing. I am seeing burnout. I am seeing exhaustion. I am seeing fatigue everywhere. And here's the thing. If you don't harness your own energy, if you don't bring the best of yourself to everything that you do as a highly great functioning human being, you cannot serve other people. And so law two is all about how do we, how are we ready? So it's about being ready and harnessing your energy. And in this law, I talk about the power of your mindset, looking after your stamina and your energy, and most of all, having the right habits and the right systems in place to ensure that every single time you are presenting yourself, you are presenting the best version of yourself. And at the heart of all of this, does it are you getting at things like eating well and exercising and getting enough rest, turning the TV off at a reasonable time at night and going to bed at a reasonable time? Is is that at the core of all of these things? So I've got the energy that I need and the health that I need to turn up at my best when it counts? It is that, although there's loads of books that talk about essentially the well-being space. What I'm talking more about in here is, yes, that, but also things like acknowledging there is a cost associated with every single yes that you say yes to. Mm. So I talk a lot about the opportunity cost of no, and that every yes you commit to invariably means you're saying no to something else. And again, we see this everywhere. Too many of us are saying yes to other people's diary commitments and to other people's project plans. And we end up just draining ourselves of our own potential. So law two is all about how do you become time rich so that you are doing the best work, the most productive work, the most relevant work, and how are you ensuring that you are thriving every single day in what you're doing? Essentially, it's more powerful what you say no to than what you say yes to, as well as yes, the behaviors like whatever works for you. So you know, for some people, meditation works. For some people, it's sleeping. For some people, it's nutrition. One of the things I say here as part of this ownership is you've got to work out what works for you and stick to it. Stop blaming everybody else for the fact that you're exhausted or you're overweight or you can't run 100 meters. It's your responsibility. And, and essentially, this is one of the cruxes of this book. Take responsibility for who and how you are showing up every day. All right. That's number two, harness your natural energy. Number one was discover and own your spotlight. We're going through the four laws of brilliance. What is number three? 
Well, number three very much is you can't be brilliant unless you're surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm. So this There's talks hard choices to, to make there, isn't it? Yeah, there is. And this this essentially talks to connecting with intent. So being together and connecting with intent. It's about making sure that you are connected to the right people. And I talk, and disconnected I, from I, the I do wrong a, people, I'm assuming as well. Disconnected from the wrong people. Mm. And also the people that are going to expand your possibility versus limit your goals and your dreams. And this talks to a, a lot about what the work I did in It's Who You Know. But essentially I'm saying that our ultimate aim is you've got to place yourself somewhere where you are surrounded by the right people with the right knowledge and information who are actively expanding your belief in your possibility and encouraging your success. These are the people that will push you further than you can go yourself, that will absolutely encourage you to do more and support you every step of the way. And in this world that is moving quicker than ever before, there is no way we can find the answers ourselves. So this this law is all about engaging with other people, finding the right network of people, and then learning how to collaborate effectively so that that need that we have right now of ideation, of innovation, of of working faster and smarter, of finding the answers that we need, we can't do on our own. So you need other people to help you step closer to where it is that you're taking your personal and professional life. So the connect and collaborate with intent is the, the third point in your four laws of brilliance, but it's also the topic, as you said, of your second book and, and it's yep. the topic. And so that that third point is expanded greatly in your second point. And, and we talked about it really extensively back in episode 55, create a network that works. All right. We're getting very close to the end, Janine. What is number four in your laws of brilliance? So given we are now working on ourselves and our inner confidence, as well as, you know, we're, we're becoming more confident about how we take ourselves out into our work and everyday lives. We are surrounded by the right people now to me is when you can actually lead and magnify your influence as well as the influence, magnify the influence of people around you. So law four is about being heard and magnifying your influence. This essentially is, I often say to people, there comes a point where we feel we get frustrated when we are not progressing quickly, when we're not getting a point across, when we're almost hoarding our ideas and our opinions versus leading the marketplace, our business, or even the industry. We get frustrated when we're being inconsistent in how we're leading ourselves out there in the big bad world versus consistently representing ourselves. And so this law is all about shifting and amplifying your influence consistently so that you can lead in your area of expertise and become in demand for what it is that you know. And in this chapter, I talk about the how to lead effectively and what leadership means right now in this, this very volatile, uncertain, and complex world, how you magnify yourself and magnify the people around you. And then as I touched on at the beginning, this is a journey. So how you continue to accelerate your growth. So those are those are the four laws. And essentially as I going back to the beginning point, this is this is a never-ending process. And within the book, I share this framework. I've included various ways in which you can model, sorry, uh, map where you're at right now. Something I literally did on a conference call this morning with a uh, with a mastermind group, 
to identify which is the law right now for the next 90 days that these people individually need to work on because you will never be perfect or all full. There is always one that needs work. And this is the power of constant growth, constant practice, constantly developing yourself to become that best version of yourself. It's a great set of ideas and as always, so beautifully spoken about and so beautifully represented. Thank you so much, Janine, for coming back on the Team Guru podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your support. And that was Janine Garner. And how about those four laws of being brilliant? Number one, discover and own your spotlight. Number two, harness your natural energy. Number three, connect and collaborate with intent. And number four, enhance and magnify your influence. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Janine on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru forward slash podcast. You can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud or LinkedIn and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now. Bye for now.